kicking off a, a new series called The Circle Maker. And, and what it's about is prayer. Uh, prayer is super, it's foundational to who we are as followers of Jesus. Yet I feel like in general, we don't know really how we should pray. We just know that we, we probably should, right? We, we pray before a meal. Uh, God bless this. Uh, raising canes, chicken finger basket. Uh, oof. And, and the extra fries, no slaw, um, with a, a double sauce and, and a large sweet tea. Yes, God, in your name we pray, amen. Which, in reality, that's like pointing a gun at your foot and asking God to bless the bullet. Uh, like, look, God ain't turning the canes for, to like kale or spinach or something like that as it's going down. It's, it's not good for you. It, it seems silly to me sometimes we ask God to bless this food to our bodies when God's like, that is straight up clogging your organs. But anyway, that's a, a discussion for a different time. But, but we pray before we eat. Uh, sometimes you might pray before we go to bed. Maybe you're like super spiritual and you like want to pray every single night before you go to bed. And a lot of you guys, you're like, oh, I'm going to save my quiet time for right before I go to bed. No distractions, all that stuff. And you open up your Bible and you say, God, I just pray that you would bless this. And then you don't wake up again until your alarm goes off. That's super spiritual. You're so spiritual that, that God helped you go to sleep. Or you're just tired and put, put that time off uh, until you're too tired to actually do something with it. All right, so we pray before we eat. We pray uh, before we go to bed. Maybe maybe you pray before you have a big test. Crap, God, I didn't study at all, but bless. Uh, just help knowledge just flow into my brain, God. Uh, look, the hydraulic data formula. Uh, give that to me. I don't know, guys. I haven't taken math for a long time. Uh, anyway, so we, maybe we pray before that, or, or maybe, maybe you only pray when someone you know is sick, and, and you ask that God would, would give them healing. So, so why, why should we pray? Because God is all-knowing and, and all-powerful. Why, why should we pray? What should we pray about? When should we pray? That's what we're going to talk about these next four weeks. I know a lot of you guys might be going on vacation. Uh, look, I'm telling you, this is, this is something you want to be here for every week if you can, okay? Because uh, I believe that if you're here, God is going to transform your prayer life. Prayer is not going to be an afterthought to you anymore. It'll be a foundational tool to help you connect with God and, and hear this, take huge steps towards your hopes and your dreams because God— God tells us how we should pray in the Bible, and uh, I think when you hear what, what God tells us um, when it comes to how we should pray, you're going to be surprised because it's not something we talk about too often. So I have a question for you, okay? I'm not going to call on anyone, I promise, especially you new ninth graders, like you don't know me, Mark, he would probably call on you. I promise you have my trust. I'm not going to call on you. But raise your hand if you'd be nervous if I asked you to pray out loud in front of everyone right now. Raise your hand if you'd be nervous if I asked you to pray out loud in front of everyone right now, man, a lot of you guys are like pretty comfortable. Either that or you like aren't comfortable even raising your hand and you'd be super uncomfortable if I asked you to pray. See, vortex of terror, I told you. Uh, so, so maybe you've like been at small group and uh, I like to do this. Um, any of the guys that have been in my small group, Troy especially knows <laughs> that, that it's like, all right guys, you know, I, could someone pray for this? Hey Troy, how about, how about you pray right now? And he gives me this look like, you serious right now? But it's good, it's good. I, uh, we, we can only learn about prayer um, when we're, you know, getting teaching about it or reading our Bible or in small group, but you can only learn to pray by prayer. Or, or maybe you've been around people and you hear them pray and it's like, dang bro, that was a good prayer. 
Like, you hear them, them praying, and then by the end of it, like, you know, everyone opens your eyes, and you're just like, amen, whoo, kick the door down. You're like so fired up because that prayer was so good. And then that makes you go like, man, God, I, I don't, I'm not even going to try because that was, that was so good. But uh, if, you're, if you're taking notes, which I advise all of you to do this morning, there's a note sheet and a pen at, at every seat. And, and this is your, your first set of blanks. And it says that none of us are such beginners that we cannot start praying. None of us are such beginners that we cannot start praying. And none of us are such experts that we cannot grow in prayer. None of us are such beginners that we cannot start praying. None of us are such experts that we cannot grow in prayer. Now, look, I I know what you're thinking. You might say, cool, Matt, but like, I actually don't care about this. This is uncomfortable for me, and I'm just not going to do it. Look, you have your comfort zone, and then outside of your comfort zone is your growth zone, and I'm going to ask you guys over the next month to get into your growth zone, okay? At the end of the service, we're going to group up in like groups of four or five, and I'm going to ask you guys to pray, okay? Now, if you're uncomfortable, you can just say, uh, like, you know, everyone's holding hands, and one person will start and one person will close, and you could just do like the hand squeeze. That's like the, the super churchy Christian way to let them know that you're either done praying or that you ain't gonna pray, all right? Like my favorite is when you get like a big group in a circle and you get the hand squeeze going and like one person prays and then it goes all the way back to them and then they just go, amen. If that happens at the end of the day, that's, that's fine, but I'm gonna ask you guys to get out of your comfort zones because look, this is what Jesus says when he tells us how to pray. He, he does not give a lot of description only a couple times in all of scripture, he'll like tell a parable, he'll tell a story about something, and only a few times do we actually get some of the context behind it, okay? Uh, So in Luke chapter 18, verse 1, Jesus says this, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Okay, that's interesting. Always pray and not give up. We're going to dig into that passage later on in the series. We're going to learn um, what that parable is. If you want, you can look it up on your own, and I think it might be very surprising. But we're going we're gonna to go uh, and just kind of set up this idea that we should always pray and not give up. Maybe uh, you don't know anything about prayer as you hear this, uh, this teaching. Maybe you've never prayed before. Maybe you're like, dude, I'm the like, designated small group prayer. Whenever my leader's like, I need someone to pray, I'm like, I'll pray. Maybe that's you guys, Troy. <laughs> Look, but we're, we're, we're saying, here's Jesus. He's saying, always pray and never give up. So we're going we're gonna to start that. And, and today, uh, in order to, to get, get kind of a foundational idea about prayer, I want to dig in to Joshua. All right? The book of Joshua, it's in the Old Testament. Joshua chapter 6. This is one of my favorite, my favorite stories. I've been here for just over two years. And, and I think my first week here, I told you guys this same story. So I know all of you forgot that, so I'm going to tell it again. And we're going to be in Joshua chapter 6. Uh, it's in the Old Testament, and if you're like, you just want like a quick, uh, like, learn the stories of the Bible, this is what you got here. Okay, does anyone know Moses, all right? Moses, he's the dude who, you know, slammed the staff down and then parted the Red Sea, and uh, all of the Israelites, all of God's people were in, in slavery in Egypt, and then they, they got out, and then Egypt was chasing them, and then the Red Sea was like, and crushed all the Egyptians, and, and, and so he takes them out. And so Moses, he's leading God's people, Israel, Uh, to the promised land. Because way, way back in Genesis, God said uh, to Abraham, he said, I promise you that your ancestors will have this land. But 400 years passed, and they still haven't gotten there. And so finally, the the, uh, Israelites are led out of Egypt by Moses, and they have to wander through the desert 
for 40 years. Now, when I first heard this story as a, a kid, I was like, okay, so like, you know, a couple hundred people wandering through the desert, setting up camp. No, no, no. It's estimated that it was two million people wandering the desert. Now, uh, that's like the city of Phoenix just decided to pack up and then walk to like New Mexico, and then they got lost and walked back and walked back. And if you've ever driven between uh, here and, and New Mexico, it's like literally just nothing. So they're just wandering through nothing for 40 years, two million people. So then finally, the end of their 40 years is up. They finally get within sight of the promised land, and then their leader Moses dies. And their second in command, a man named Joshua, is put into power. Okay? Now, Joshua, this dude is a, a beast. If you're like, I want to read something in Scripture, it's summer, I'm bored, I've already finished uh, both seasons of Daredevil on Netflix already this week, and I'm ready for something else. Read the book of Joshua. It's awesome. There's like battles and coolness. Uh, we're going to read like almost a whole chapter of it this morning, so you're going to get a, a taste. But So it's Joshua's time to lead them. The promised land is right there, and they're peeking into the promised land. And, and what is the first thing that they see but this city called Jericho? And it had a, a wall around it. Now, think way, way back. This isn't like, you know, they didn't have these giant constructions. If someone turned them into a cat, they didn't have the, you know what I'm talking about. And uh, they didn't have like, you know, big uh, industrial-sized trucks. Uh, they didn't have ways to move resources across the country. It was literally like you just kind of built it right there, and then you, you carried it. And you, you, anyway, so they built this city called Jericho. These people who hated God, who hated God's people, wanted to kill all of them. And that's who lived in Jericho. And they, they built this wall around the city. And it was six feet wide and 50 feet high. And so here are the Israelites. They just spent 40 years wandering in the desert. And their first goal is to take this city. And they're like, uh, hey, God, how, how are we going to do that? Because God promised us this land 400 years ago, and here we are, we're right on the edge of it. It's the promised land, but man, I sure thought the promised land would look a lot better than a, a giant city with a giant wall with giant people in it that wanted to kill us, all right? So what, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? We're in Joshua chapter 6. We're going to read 16 verses. To, uh, you don't have to say it out loud, but it's all going to be up on the screen. Joshua chapter 6, 1 through 16. Check this out. It says, now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. They, they saw the Israelites out there and like, whoa, that's two million people. We don't want that. And locked it down. Okay? Uh, no one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, it's funny that God took this time to say to Joshua, he said, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men and do this for six days. Now pause. Hold up. So you, look, I have delivered you the city. I'm like, I'm looking, man. It ain't delivered, bro. There's a, still a wall. There's still a bunch of people. They all want to kill us. We have no way to get through that wall. We're toast. And you tell me I'm going to march around the city. So keep going. Verse 4. Verse 4. Have, have seven priests carry uh, trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. And then on the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. And when you, uh, when you hear them sound a, a long blast... Uh, of the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. You're like, cool, God, that sounds good. Oh, wait, except for we're just walking around walls. Whatever, I'm going to keep going. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests to them and he said, take up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army, advance, march around the city with an armed guard ahead of the Ark of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. 
The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. Uh, all this time the trumpets were sounding, but Joshua had commanded the army, do not give a war cry, do not raise your voices, do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout, and then shout. So, so you're one of the soldiers in Jericho, and you're looking, you're standing, watch on the wall, and you look out, and it's just like an army, just kind of doing loops silently, like awkward, it's like awkward turtle army strategy here. And, and so they're just kind of walking around, and, and, and they don't know what's going to happen next, but all right, God said to do it, so we're going to do it. So here we are. Uh, so, so they had the ark uh, of the Lord uh, carried around the city, circling it once, then the army returned to camp and spent the night there. Verse 12. Verse 12, Joshua got up early the next morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests, uh, 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 carrying the seven trumpets, went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them, and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. So just blowing the trumpets, going around the city. Once again, the awkward turtle military strategy of the Bible. Uh, So on the second day, he marched around the city once and returned to camp. They did this for six days. This is like the weirdest thing you could ever do. And then on the seventh day, they got up at daybreak, and they marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except on that day, they circled uh, around it seven times. Uh, The seventh time around with the priests uh, sounded the trumpet blast. Joshua commanded the army, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Ah!" (laughs) Once again, you got the the people up there. They're like, what's happening? Like, lol. And and so, you know, what is happening? And then then we skip ahead to verse 20 and check this out. It says, when the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed, so everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. Crazy story, right? Like, this is weird. I love Joshua because it's weird. It's good. Uh, 400 years earlier, God had promised this land to his people. God delivered on an ancient promise to prove, this is the next blank in your notes, to prove that his promises don't have expiration dates. To prove that his promises do not have expiration dates. Look, the victory that God is giving you might seem far away, but he's telling us to keep circling that promise until it's given to you. I don't know where you're at this morning, but, but this story the story of them circling around the city over and over and over and over again. Look, that is the pattern that we are going to set for ourselves in prayer in this series. This, this idea of circling. We're, this is the pattern that we're going we're gonna to just do our best to, to follow because I think we all have a Jericho of some kind in our lives. We all have something that seems insurmountable. And, and you're like, you hear verses like, uh, uh, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, uh, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. And you're like, cool, God, you have good plans for me. But like, look at my life. There's no way. There's no way. Or, or maybe uh, Ephesians 3.20, it says that, uh, that, that God's going to do immeasurably more than all you could ask or imagine. And you're like, cool, God, but look at my life. I got this big Jericho standing right in front of me with a giant wall, and, and, and there's no chance that I can overcome this. God's promises don't have expiration dates. We're, we're going to draw circles of prayer around whatever Jericho is in your life. Okay, I, I want to talk a little bit about, about what prayer is, okay? And I heard one of my mentors, he said this once, he said that prayer is like the verb form of desperation. That it, 
if, if you're spiritually desperate for something, anything in your life, if you're, if you're desperate, if you have this like goal, this dream, this promise, this hope that you have, and, and you're desperate for it, that's when you pray. Want to know why? If you know nothing about prayer, I think all of us pray when, when things are going wrong, right? Like if your uh, family member got sick and you thought they were going to die, you would get on your knees right now and you would pray. Why? Because you're desperate. Because you're desperate. And, and prayer is an overflow of desperation in our lives. I, I hope that connects with you a little bit because that, that's, that's it. That's, so what should I pray circles around? What, what is this hope? What is a promise? What is a dream that God has given me that, that maybe I should step out and pray about? Uh, about three years ago, I was uh, with one of my friends and his brother had run away. He was uh, in his 20s and he had run away and they had had no contact with him. No, no, like, expectation that he was going to leave. One day, he was just gone. And uh, we sp- they spent a year searching for him. Nothing. No, no results. They would hear maybe a rumor that he was still alive, and he had talked to this friend once, but they didn't really know, and he'd hung up too soon, and they, they, were, they didn't know where he was. And so I'm talking to my friend, and he said, hey, can we do something? Can we pray for my brother? I was like, yeah, dude, I'll, I'll pray for your brother. I'll, like, no problem. And he goes, no, no, no. What if, what if we just prayed and we didn't stop praying until he came home? And I don't know about you, but if someone said that to me again today even, I, I would struggle. I'd be like, well, yeah, but what if he doesn't? What if he doesn't? Yeah, but, but Luke 18, verse 1, it says, Jesus told the disciples the story so they would know to always pray and never give up. And so... We prayed, and we prayed every day together for the rest of that year, and there were days when I would get passionate, and I would say, God, God, this is the day. Tomorrow, let tomorrow be the, I mean, I remember we, we would get kind of passionate. We would get a little hype when we were praying, and, uh, and I'd be like, tomorrow, tomorrow is the day that we're going to hear from him, and he's going to be reconnected with his family. God, let's do this. Let's go, and we'd get kind of fired up, and we'd have this hope. We'd have this hope that tomorrow would be the day, and tomorrow would come, tomorrow would go. And maybe our prayers that night would be like, okay, God, well, you told us to always pray and never give up, so here we are. We're praying again. I don't know if he's ever coming home, but God, bring him home, bring him home, bring him home. And, and then uh, I moved away, but I still continued to pray for him, and we would text each other, and, and we'd leave each other prayer voicemails and stuff like that, and we were like, dude, every single day we pray for this guy for two years. And, <laughs> and he came home six months ago, and he had been going through some troubles, and now he's, he's plugged in with the people that he needs that can care for him, and he's with his family who loves him. But how many times did I doubt that I, I, didn't, I, didn't know what I, was, I didn't know what I was praying for? But look, this is what God says. He says, you should always pray and never give up. Look, hear this. Uh, the Bible tells us that, that God can move mountains. Only God can move mountains, but only prayer can move God, Okay? God tells us we shouldn't just pray, God, your will be done. God, do your thing, God. No, no, no. God literally says, my, your prayer moves me. Always pray and never give up. It doesn't say always pray and never give up when you're praying uh, exactly for God's will. No, no, no. He says always pray and never give up. This story that we're going to dig into, it, it's actually about a woman who is just nagging a person. And God says, this is how you should pray. Just be annoying in prayer. Ask for things. Always pray and never give up because you never know what's going to happen. 
Look, we, we pray because we're desperate. We pray because we don't have any other options. I don't, know, I don't know where you're at this morning. Maybe you just, there's some part of your life and it feels helpless, hopeless. It's a sin that you've been struggling with for so long and it, it just... Yeah. It's a, it's a prayer that, that you've been praying over and over and over again and then you feel like it's worthless. I'm not going to overcome this sin. I'm not going to overcome this struggle. Uh, this person in my life, we're never going to have healing in our brokenness, in our relationship. Uh, we're never, we're never going to get to the place that, that we need to be. I'm never going to know what God's plan is for my life. Look, I'm telling you, always pray and never give up. I just want to talk real quick. Uh, Joshua, he spent seven days completely preoccupied with one thought about prayer. All he thought about was that city for seven days. I think our problem is not that we, uh, we don't really know what to pray for. It's really that just we don't pray. That we pray like once or twice and we, we do give up. Jesus says always pray and never give up, but I, you know, maybe I pray often and give up. You know, we, we start praying, but we don't see results right away and we give up. Can any of you guys relate to that? where you've prayed for something, and then you just don't see the results. Joshua was completely preoccupied, consumed with this idea of taking the city. What, what would happen if you had that one thing that totally preoccupied your mind just for a week? Just for a week. Look, uh, we're, we're going to try something. We're going to do a 21-day prayer challenge. Okay? Uh, what you're going to do is uh, later on today, go on to our Instagram page. We'll post a number, and you can text that number, and it'll subscribe you to 21 days worth of text messages that are just going to remind you to, to always pray and never give up and just give you encouragement in that. Okay, so if you're in here and you're like, no, I, I've never, look, just take a chance. Just try something little. All you have to do is just send a text message, and you'll get one text a day for, for three weeks. But look, I, I don't think that anyone has ever prayed continuously about something and then been disappointed with the results. I don't think anyone has ever prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and, and then been disappointed. Look, if you have, I, look, I don't know what your Jericho is. Maybe it's a close friend of yours that, that doesn't know Jesus. There is someone very, very close to me, someone very dear to me that, that is not a follower of Christ, and, and I pray for him all the time. And there are days when I just, I, God, I don't know how you're going to do it. He seems so far away, there's no way. But I, I keep praying. Always pray and never give up. I'd say this, if it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. Replace your worries with prayers. Jesus tells us to always pray and never give up.